Welcome to Boomers on Fire with educator, philanthropist, and mentor, Dr. Cynthia. Get ready to refire your life by listening to inspiring interviews with vibrant boomers who are rocking their retirement. Whatever the retiree is doing, we want you to hear about it so that it will spark something in you so that you can decide how you want to live in your second half of life. You will be exposed to new possibilities and new opportunities. It's time to refire, reinvent, and reimagine your second half of life with your host, Dr. Cynthia. Boomers on Fire. I am your host, Dr. Cynthia, and I'm thrilled that you are here with me today. Our guest today is Celeste Murgers. She is the CEO and founder of Days for Girls. She's an AARP Purpose Prize winner for her global work with girls. I will let her tell you about herself and her amazing contribution to empower women and girls and communities worldwide. Celeste, we are honored to have you here with us. Welcome. Oh, the feeling is mutual. So happy to be with you, Dr. Cynthia. Thank you. So, Celeste, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came up with the idea of Days for Girls. I would actually have to say that I didn't come up with it so much as finally listen. I hadn't thought to ask um, about what girls do for menstrual hygiene, and that's what we do, importantly, all over the world. We help girls get their days back, and women get their days back by making sure they have access to menstrual care products that last month after month, and making sure they have a women's health education that shatters stigma about menstruation. And my background is um, global sustainable development in part, so I wasn't thinking about specifically women's health, I was looking for solutions to poverty in general and dealing with things like um, solar and agriculture and getting the gift of working with a small family foundation, the Clay Foundation. And in my work in Kenya, I hadn't come across this yet. And then, remember the post-election violence happened in 2007 and 8? Do you recall that? Yeah, Mm -hmm. half a million people displaced and uh, over 1,500 people killed. And at that point, one of the things I would do whenever I was coming through Kenya was to offer um, not only solutions for the communities that we worked with, but also visit an orphanage there. And this orphanage, I would support in whatever ways I could when I came through. And it swelled in the aftermath of that violence to 1,400 reported children, which if you saw the space is not even possible uh, in any practical way, and and yet they needed everything. They needed everything from the very basics to more clothes, more bedding, more everything in the face of what was happening in their communities. And it was that that I was focused on. I got a call one night that they were completely out of food and had been for two days. And one of the, it turns out, blessings of my background is I was raised in poverty. So I know what it's like to go hungry. I know what it's like to be homeless. And so that call really, Cynthia, really uh, struck me. And I 
really pled for an answer to that and didn't even come up with a bad idea. But what happened was at 2.30 in the morning, I was woken up with it going through my head. Have you asked what the girls are doing for feminine hygiene? I literally gasped. I literally <laughs> ran to the computer to email. And, you know, we didn't have cell phones, smartphones everywhere at that point. So I didn't expect an immediate answer. But I got an immediate one. And all he replied was, nothing. They wait in their rooms. And that was when I learned that they would sit on a piece of cardboard for days. Oh. No access to their class. No and and that's when I first learned about this issue, not realizing that it is, in fact, a global issue. Today, we have reached 124 nations on six continents. That's how global the issue of not having what you need for your menstrual cycle is. And the impact is enormous for going without that's amazing, Celeste. Absolutely amazing. So it sounds it like, even, yeah, it sounds like even your own childhood of poverty also triggered this interest in helping these girls. Oh, absolutely. Uh, not only the interest, I, I think the interest to try to give people the strength to reverse cycles of poverty was there. What what it has done that's been great is, you know. I was about five, and a woman, and stay with me, this is going to loop back to your question, a woman, I remember being in a in a park along the way, we were living in our car, I was hungry, and I was walking along a pathway, and this woman came into view, and first I noticed her poodle, and, and the sparkling rhinestones that led to her hand, and she was throwing a perfectly good, it looked to me, red half-eaten apple into a garbage bin next to where I was standing. So I watched the arc of it go, and I was trying to think if I could get in there and get it, and if I could get back out again. And then I realized she was staring at me, and she asked me, where are your shoes, girl? And I literally answered, I'm toughening my feet. And And then she gave me this look. She looked me up and down with this looked, it was like a mirror turn, and I could suddenly see that she saw when she looked at me the clothes that were too small, the dirty face, probably the the poor girl. She saw that. And honestly, in that moment, this wave as she walked away from me just kind of overcame me of, are you that? And this feeling, I am not from here. I am not this place. I am not what you see. I am me. That opportunity, in brief, trying to explain that feeling that happened, that gave me the gift at a really young age to be asked, are you the poor girl? Are you this place? Are you? And I got to know with every bit of my core. We are not our circumstances. We are how we respond to them. We are how we take on this walk, not our circumstances. So as I've done the work of Days for Girls and other work that I've done, it's always been an invitation honoring them, honoring their culture, and only asking, can we join hands to help change these circumstances? And that 
has made all the difference in this work. Absolutely. So when you see those girls, you see that five-year-old again. Yes, actually. And other things that I survived, I was a survivor of rape at seven. I was. So so when we're talking about you can be strong and you can survive, I get to come from that place that believes that with all my heart. And I get to be an example of you can survive. And if you bring this empathy with you, nothing can stop you. Nothing can stop you. And what's wonderful is it turns out that a soft bag of washable products, which, by the way, have been through 28 versions because we kept listening, what works for you? How could they work better? And we kept changing the design until today, the 28 versions later. It has a patent here in the U.S. It is it is genius. It washes with very little water. It dries quickly. It, it um, is culturally acceptable. It doesn't look like a bad. It helps her break the boundaries of stereotype and taboo by its very design. It's beautiful and colorful to hide stains. It's something she can be proud of. It's comfortable. All of that happened not because of my wisdom, but because I was taught and understand it from a very young age that honoring each other's wisdom and getting input and trusting each other, no matter what the circumstance looks like, is the best way to go, and Days for Girls programs and design is proof of that, Cynthia. It's proof. Yes, so when you found out that these girls sat in a cardboard during their cycle, Mm -hmm. why didn't you just Mm -hmm. use um, sanitary pads like we use in this country? (laughs) Such a good question. The first solution I had was that, Dr. Cynthia, I was the first thing I thought of. Let's buy disposable pads. I was able to raise money for food and other things that they needed and these disposable pads, but it cost $200 for the 500 girls that needed solutions for menstruation to have pads for the month because I was coming back in three and a half weeks. I knew that if I sent money for pads along with food in the future and they needed food and other necessities more than I had sent, they would use the money for food, and we all would, and that's the right decision, right? What I didn't think of was there was no place to dispose of the disposables I sent. So when I got there, there was a new problem that the pit latrines were filled with rolled up, well, with soiled pads. The chain link right to the side of the pit latrines had rolled up pads stuck in all the little links and they were piled against posts. They were stacked at the end in a big pile and even Girls would reach in to take one to wash someone else's and to try to reuse it. Mm-hmm. All of these things I hadn't thought of. And thankfully, we had started the journey of a solution they could count on month after month. And the solution you came up with, um, I mean, it's just amazing. It's, it's, the same, it's colorful and it looks like the clothes that the girls wear. So it like mm-hmm. doesn't just stand out. So so that really makes it um makes them feel good about themselves. It really does and and it's so the part that holds the absorbent pad in place is we put a shield and it holds the um liner in place so it confidently and comfortably they they won't have that something fall out like other materials they try to use. They use 
uh, leaves and mattress stuffing, newspaper, corn hobs, cobs, corn husks, um, stones, uh, even cow dung that's very thin and they shake out the bugs and use it. Women use whatever they have to use and even cloth that's just not secure and can fall out and chafe and twist. Um, sometimes it's comfort and confidence and sometimes they're seriously risking their health and well-being. But even at that very first solution, um, that very first meeting when we brought the first Days for Girls kits, the girls told me afterwards that they were being sexually exploited in exchange for a single disposable pad. And that's the moment Days for Girls was born. Wow. And what's amazing about those pads that you've created is that it's washable and they can save it for the next time. Mm-hmm. And guess what? About three months ago, we've heard a lot of kits. Um, we call them a Days for Girls menstrual kit. Um, we've heard a lot of these kits lasting two years, three years, four years. But we had our first report of a Days for Girls kit lasting five years. Wow. That's a lot of dignity. Absolutely. So where are all these girls located? Oh, all over the world. So six continents. 124 nations, so it's Africa, it's Asia, it's South America, it's Latin islands, it's the, it's Fiji, it's, it's all over, it's even the United States. What does a homeless woman do? What does a girl who's a new foster child at a, a new home, is she going to go to her new foster parents and say, I need this? Um, it's all over the world, anywhere that a family has to choose between food and pads, food and necessities like housing and in some cases um, if she's going for job interviews and she has to choose between fuel to go to the next interview or pad guess which one wins and how confident is she as she goes into that interview wow so so Celeste I mean that's an amazing amount of places and girls so how are you able to provide all those services oh good question so two there are two facets of Days for Girls. One is our volunteer wing um, or arm. We call it two arms to wrap the planet. The volunteers, we have more than 60,000 volunteers in 17 nations on six continents. And these uh, women and men go to their communities and work together to make Days for Girls kits and seed the market by sending it to through organizations that are already working in these places that live where near where they are making them all over the planet. The other arm of Days for Girls is an entrepreneurship arm. This teaches the women in the field to make them and have a business fulfilling the need and to be ambassadors of women's health with the education being given as the kits are delivered. And in this way, both of these things are reaching the girls. And so far, we've reached over 1 million women and girls. Wow. So as entrepreneurs, do they sell the kits to the girls or how do the girls um, pay for them? They mostly sell them to nonprofits in their area, government, and also women in the area who, while they're at the market getting other things, can get the smallest unit of a Days for Girls kit, which is the pad, which we call a pod, um, one shield and two absorbent liners. And it's, it folds into this nice little purse-looking case. It's very small, less than three inches square. 
um, and one inch thick, and it and and that we call a pod a portable object of dignity, and that's quite affordable between one dollar and one dollar seventy generally around the globe with a profit margin for the people that make and sell them locally. That's amazing. So you're not just providing dignity for the girls, you're also providing entrepreneurship and um, earning a living for the women. Yes. It's not the easy way to do it, but it's the best way to do it because then you take it to the last mile and you're empowering local leadership and that matters. Absolutely. Wow. I So I understand there has been like a global festival. What What is that all about? Oh, we're in the middle of our Global Girls Festival for 2018. Here's what we decided. And it's kind of an audacious goal, but we are that's our norm around here. We decided that if we reached 100,000 women and girls in just 28 days leading up to our 10th birthday, which is November 1st, if we could show the world that a grassroots movement could reach 100,000 women and girls in 25 nations in just 28 days, then this really is something we can solve. There are so many things that are hard to change in this world. This isn't one of them. Access to menstrual hygiene is just a proper solution, a good solution that works for them with the education and to be able to scale that, right? So if we could prove that, if we could show that, and that would send the message, we can reach every girl everywhere, period. And I have news. It's not even November 1st yet. We have a lot going on on the 1st. But we have, um, with calculating the ones that will happen on the 1st, we have reached 100,000 women and girls in less than 28 days. Wow, that is totally amazing. That just shows the need for it. And what an inspiration mm-hmm. Yeah, what an inspiration for other people to look for, um, to see problems and come up with a solution. That's a grassroots solution. Mm-hmm. Isn't it exciting? Yeah. I like to think of that. Yes, that's really exciting. I mean, such a problem, I mean, I would never, ever have thought about um, problems with girls with menstrual cycles. That's something I would never think about. And a lot of people wouldn't think about it because in this country, it's so easy with, you know, it's just like, it's just like going out and getting your food that in the market. But in countries like what you're talking about, it's really an issue. It really is. You're so right. And often they're considered untouchable during their period. So sometimes it's as extreme as, they can't be in their home or they're isolated, even up to 21 days if they just had a newborn in western Nepal, their child cannot be with them. I mean, their child can be with them, but their child and they cannot be with their family. They're isolated in these huts for 21 wow. days. And girls die of exposure and snake bites and animal and, and human attacks. So right now, In 2018, you can Google it because it's probably hard to believe, but it's true. And this is something that can change. Wow. And And is changing. Yes, and you're making your change and you're making a difference in uh, in the world with all these girls. That's absolutely amazing. I've got to commend you for that, Celeste. 
Well, it's a global movement. Thank you. It's it's about all the supporters and volunteers and people and groups and corporations and organizations that are joining hands with us and saying, we've got this. Uh, yeah, it's a, so many people. Yes. Yeah, what a collaboration. So, Celeste, mm-hmm. how can I... How can our listeners help spread the word about what you're doing and how could they get involved? Oh, that would make such a big difference. There are a few ways to get involved. You can, of course, check out our website, daysforgirls.org, and then um, I'm sure you'll have a link for that, but it's check out our website. There's lots of ways to see how to help there. You can join a chapter of Days for Girls, even for one event coming and help. You don't, you don't even have to know how to sew to do that. You can follow us on social media and help us get awareness by sharing posts that mean something to you. You can pass the word about this issue and you can follow the Global Girls Festival and donate to it so that we can reach even more women and girls and empower these enterprises to be the ones to reach their communities and make them affordable for those uh, who can't afford to pay so this engine can just keep going. Beautiful. So, Celeste, do you have any final words or suggestions for the listeners? Only this, that we are so fortunate to live in a time that has such possibility for a true shift. And even though there are so many things that are hard to see right now, and hard to witness. It is also a time of great opportunity, and there is hope. We can do something about very hard issues, and sometimes it's the smallest thing that can make the biggest change. There's so many reasons to celebrate the beauty of humanity, too. That is so beautiful, and it's all we need to do is just look around us to see yes. what we can help to see how we can help to make a difference. Absolutely. We can do this. Yes. Celeste, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to share your journey with us. This is so inspiring. Thank you so much. Such a delight. Yes. Thank you. To all of you who are listening to this interview, I thank you for being here. What a wonderful session with Celeste. Um, If you enjoyed this interview, I would love it if you would share it with your family and friends so that they too could be inspired to seek new possibilities and new opportunities to help and give back and make a difference. That's all for this episode of Boomers on Fire. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. If you enjoyed this episode of Boomers on Fire, I would love it if you would subscribe to the podcast to get automatic notifications when I publish a new episode. I would appreciate it if you would leave a rating and review to help spread the word and help more women reignite the second half of their lives.